0: was here probably a couple months ago speaking and at that time I was speaking about prayer so some of you might have been here and remembered that and I'm going to keep speaking on prayer tonight because it's such a big subject I was just scratching the service but I am going to just do a little recap in case you don't remember what I was talking about last time, but it was really mainly about our relationship with God. You know, that's where prayer starts, our relationship with God. And so I I started with that. And it is to be a heartfelt part of our lives. It's not just a religious work because we're talking to our Father And it comes from oneness and abiding with Christ. And it's simple. Because what I want to share with you tonight, I want it to be simple. So we can do it. It's not complicated. It's based on the truth of the Word of God. And we need the Holy Spirit's help. And also, we base it on faith that comes as a gift to us from God. God has given us the gift of faith. And the word of God strengthens our faith the more that we hear it. And I just finished last time by saying, put God first in your life. And this is one way we do that. Now, I, I got my inspiration for this message from um, a course that I'm taking. Well, I've I've taken the first year. I finished it with Andrew Womack, <laughs> Karis Bible College. And one of the lessons by a man called Greg Moore. Um, was on praying for others. And it really struck me how important that is. You know, I mean, I know about it, I do it, but I didn't stop to think just how much praying for other people changes things. And so um, I'm going to take some of what Greg was teaching, because he even said when he was teaching it, he said, now I want you students to take this and teach it to other people. So I've taken some of Greg's message, but I'm, I've am brought some of my own too. So when I was praying and putting it together, the Lord sort of started me out with him and took me maybe on a different path that I thought I was going to go on. So you never know where God's going to take you sometimes, but it could be that somebody needs to hear it, so I'm going <laughs> to tell you what he gave me. So I often think that... Um, Well, one problem we have in praying with others is that we just are busy and distracted and we don't do it. So I was a little bit convicted when I was listening to Greg teach on this. But the other thing is a lot of times we don't feel like we know how to pray or we think, I've heard other people pray, they're amazing, I could never pray like that. And we start comparing ourselves with one another, which isn't a good thing. And we, Or we think, I, I'm, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to do. Well, I've got some good news for you tonight because it's really not that complicated. And what I want to do is just look at what the word of God says about prayer. We can find all kinds of instruction in God's word on how to pray. If you don't know where to start, go to the word of God. So, of course, that means we have to read it and study it and meditate on it and hear it. Come to church and hear the word of God. So I'm going to start out with a great scripture. It's 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Woo! Woo-hoo! Yeah. <laughs> I think when I use the phone, once I get my Bible app up, I can go pretty quickly, faster than I can turn the pages of my Bible. Okay. I like this, I always this, this these verses. Okay, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So that is an awesome promise. And it's pretty basic and simple. I like where he says, and this is the confidence we have in him. I mean, that's faith. It's good to be able to come to God with confidence when we're praying. And it says we can have confidence if we pray according to his will. And how do we pray according to his will? Well, look in the Word and find out what his will is and pray that. You know, that's pretty basic. It's not like you have a big revelation or anything. It's just very basic. And I think as we do that, the Holy Spirit comes along and helps us. And he takes that basic truth in the Word of God and helps us to pray it out. So this is something that any one of us can do. And then he goes on to say, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him, so we're going to get an answer to our prayer. And I'm sure you've all experienced that. Some things take longer than others, though, I've noticed, but some things are quick. I even had some awesome answers to prayer today. Praise the Lord. They were little things, but those are are important. Because sometimes we worry about little things, so it's good to pray about them and get them taken care of. So the next scripture I want to look at that really shows us what we can pray in the will of God is 1 Timothy 2, and we'll go to verse 1. I know you know all this stuff, but it's good to be reminded of it. I needed to be reminded of it. And so this is um, Paul speaking here to Timothy, and whenever we see the writings of Paul, well, we know that scripture, that's the word of God, so he's getting this from God. So it's really like God is speaking, not just to Timothy, but to us as well, because he's instructing Timothy on how to pastor a church, how to conduct church life, and so this is what Paul says here, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So he's saying, I exhort, therefore, that first of all. That sounds like the will of God to me. That sounds like it's pretty important. And he's just saying here that prayer be made for all men, for everyone. So I'm sure we know lots of people that need prayer I don't know that I pray for everyone all at once. I mean, maybe some people do that, but usually you know somebody that needs prayer. And so he's saying to pray for people. And he's using um, four different words here, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. So the first three actually are very similar. Giving of thanks is just giving of thanks. But I did look these up in the Greek and in the dictionary just to get an idea of what each one of these words mean. So supplications is the Greek word deasis from Strong's. And it says prayer, supplication, request, a seeking, asking, entreaty to God or man. And that particular word appears 19 times. I guess it would be the King James Version of the Bible. And the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says to make a humble entreaty, especially to pray to God. So basically you're you're asking God for something or for someone. And the word prayers is UK. And in the strongs, it just means prayer or prayer prayed earnestly. And, and it appears 37 times. And in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, it just says an address to God or a God, an earnest request. So very similar to supplications. And then intercessions is enteuxis, And it is a prayer, of falling in with, meeting with, an interview, a coming together, to visit converse and what i found that was kind of interesting is that it only appears two times that particular greek word in the new testament and one of them of course is here in first timothy chapter 2 verse 1 and the other one is in first timothy chapter 4, 4 verse 5 and it's translated as prayer there so We use the word intercession a lot, but it doesn't really appear that many times, or or that particular word, unless there's another word for intercession in the Greek. It doesn't appear that often. But Merriam-Webster says um, it means to mediate, prayer, petition, or entreaty in favor of another. So again, praying for other people, that's something that we may do for them. So... The next verse, verse two, goes on to say for kings and for all those that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who would have all men come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. I think I got that mixed up, but I'm used to the King James version, I guess. Anyways, um, He's getting specific here now. He's asking us to pray for those in authority because people in authority have a great influence on our lives. So we do want to pray for them. And I have to admit, this is an area where I have to remember to pray because quite often we're pretty quick to criticize people in authority. Now, we don't have to agree with them. But instead of criticizing them, maybe we should be praying for them. And I've got some verses from the Bible about the importance of praying for those in authority. So this is going to help us when we pray for them. Because you may say, well, I don't know what to pray for those in authority. Well, let's look at Proverbs 11, verses 10 and 11. Okay, so when it goeth well with, you know what, I am in the King James version of my Bible. I thought I probably confused you fellows back there. Maybe I'll just stay with the King James. But it says, when it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting by the blessing of the upright. The city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So, we need to be careful about we, what we're saying about our leaders and using our mouths to bless and to pray for them and not just to tear them down and criticize them. The next verse in, is in Proverbs as well Proverbs 28, verse 2. Now, it's really part two of this verse that says, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. And he's talking about the land, people in rulership in the land. And so that's something we can pray for our leaders, is that they are people of understanding and knowledge as they rule over us. And then the next verse is next chapter, Proverbs 29, verse 2. It says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. So we're going to pray for the righteous to be in authority. Now there's a great verse in Micah to that effect. You probably know this one. So Micah is getting towards the end of the Old Testament. I think it's just after Jonah, if you can find Jonah. There we go. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. So it says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So I like to pray that for our leaders, that they will be those kind of people. And, you know, in doing so, I think the first thing I pray for them, because probably most of them don't know the Lord, I pray for their salvation. Because if they're going to be this kind of a person, they probably are going to need to be saved. But still, God can use unsaved people to do righteousness if we're praying for them. And the last one I want to look at, because we're in Jeremiah right now, is Jeremiah 29.7. Now, we know that um, Jeremiah has been telling the leaders of Israel, especially in Jerusalem, that it is God's will that they go into captivity, into exile in Babylon. And they don't like that. They're, they're not listening to Jeremiah. But he's, he's telling them if they go, it's for their benefit and welfare, because that's what's going to happen. So, in verse 7, he says, You know, when you're there, seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. So, they're going to be in an uncomfortable situation in Babylon, in exile, away from their home. And Nevertheless, God is asking them to pray for that city, for its welfare. Even if we're living in a city which we may think, you know, there's a lot of evil in high places, and we don't like some of the things that are going on, we still need to be praying for the welfare and the peace of our city because it will affect us and and all the other people living there as well. Now, a, a little later on, I'm going to talk about praying for people for salvation, because that's a big one. I was going to mention, too, that, um, you know, every day we get our devotions from Pastor Paul, and on the right side, don't know if you ever look, but there's a lot of great confessions there, which you can use (coughs) for prayer, and there is a prayer for your children. So if you don't know how to pray for your kids, there's a prayer there. It's based on the Word of God. So... There are, there's so much material out there that helps you to do that. You know, I remember back when we had the bookstore, we had those prayers that avail much books. Well, they are, they're really good for taking the Word of God and praying the Word of God. And that just builds your faith when you're praying the Word of God. So one of the things I really like, especially when we're reading through the Bible in a year, is just discovering those verses that God will show you personally, You know, those are the best ones, I think, were the ones that God shows you. And you take those and say, yeah, I'm going to pray those. I especially like it when I get in the Old Testament and I read those prophetic words, some of which have not come to pass yet. And I like to just speak them out loud. Like, I don't know when and where and how it's all going to come to pass, but I like to just keep those words out there in the atmosphere. Because there's a lot of negative words that are spoken. So I'd just like to take the word of God and put it out there. for Yeah, in the spirit realm, for some of those principalities and powers to hear what's going to be coming up, you know? <laughs> and so along that same line, I want to look at some people in the Bible who did just that. So let's go to Daniel chapter 9, starting at verse 2. We're going to look at some people in the Old and the New Testament. So Daniel 9, 2. So we know Daniel is in Babylon, which is now under the rulership of the Medes and Persians. So there's been a change of kingdoms here. And So it starts out, I'm going to start verse 1. It says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahuserus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So, We've read that recently in Jeremiah. So here is Daniel reading Jeremiah, and he's seeing that they're to be in exile for 70 years and then they're to come back to Israel. And so he goes on to say, I set my face under the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I'm not going to go into the whole prayer. I think many of you have read it, but Daniel goes on. He's going to pray this into being. He's saying nothing's happening. Seventy years is coming up, and I don't see any movement here. So I'm going to start to pray this in. And so, you know, he goes on and he confesses the sins of the nation to God, and he, he earnestly prays and intercedes for God to um, bring this to pass. Another person, um, maybe we don't often look at him, is Nehemiah. So let's go and look at Nehemiah, because he did a similar thing that Daniel did. So Nehemiah chapter 1. So Nehemiah is already um, in Babylon And he is the king's cupbearer, so he has access to the king. But some Israelites have already gone back home, and they've started to rebuild. So Nehemiah says that... Hannah and I in verse 2, one of my brethren came and he and certain men of Judah and asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of Heaven, and I said, "I beseech thee, O Lord God of Heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him, and observe his commandments, and then he goes on to pray, kind of a similar pray to prayer to Daniel. He's very, uh, one of the things about Nehemiah, he's probably too young to have ever lived in Israel. He's probably never been there, but yet he's heard about it and he has a heart for Jerusalem and he wants to go back. So he's praying for favor with the king so that he will be able to go from his post as cupbearer back to Jerusalem so we see in, in chapter 2, just going to find it here. He's he's at his post. He's serving the king. Don't ask me I, what, how to pronounce his name. I'm just going to call him Art. <laughs> Art the king. So he took up wine and gave it to the king in chapter, or verse 1. Now I had not been before sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid, and I said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad, when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah and unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. So he has favor with the king. The king hears him out, asks him what his plans are. He has plans. And he gives them some um, letters that provide him with safe passage to go back to Jerusalem. And I'm sure we've all read the book of Nehemiah, but he he becomes governor and they get the wall built. um, And he faces a great deal of opposition and trouble, but he's faithful and he gets it done. But you can see his prayer is bringing this to pass. the the will of God, they knew the will of God was for them to go back to Israel and to rebuild. So they were praying that in. Now, I was thinking, is there something like this in the New Testament? And this is, um, I'm kind of speculating here, but I'm I'm thinking that these people were praying. So let's go to Luke chapter 2 in the New Testament. And we're going to start at think, let's see. We'll start at verse 21. Okay, my phone's acting up on me here. This is one thing I don't like about phones. Sometimes they act up on you. (laughs) It keeps. Okay. I might have to resort to my backup here. Okay, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, we're talk, I'm going to have to go to here. So Jesus has been born, and the parents are Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to offer up what is required by the law. Let's see. Almost there. So when the, this is verse 22, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Led by the Spirit, he came to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he received him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So, and the glory of your people Israel. So I'm speculating that this man, Simeon, was praying in maybe with a lot of other people that we know nothing about, the first coming of Jesus, the Messiah. He was seeing it in the word of God and praying for it to come to pass because the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he was living in that day when he would see the Messiah. And then in verse 36, there was Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about 84 years of age who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. Coming at that moment, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she was praying night and day. Again, I'm speculating, but I think she was probably praying about the coming of the Messiah as well. So our prayers can even bring in the purposes of God in the earth. And God partners with us because he's given the earth to men and we partner with them. One of the ways we partner with them is in prayer to bring to pass his... Purposes, even the second coming of the Lord. You know, everybody has different ideas about when he's coming and the signs of the times. And I don't really know exactly, you know, but we can even get a sense as we get closer to that time of how to be praying in the coming of the Lord, you know. And there, there is a scripture concerning that. Maybe I'll we'll have a look at that. It's 2 Peter 3. Let's go there. Because 2 Peter is talking, he's talking about um, the day of the Lord. This is at the very end. This isn't the rapture or whatever. This is at the end. So 2nd Peter chapter 3. And I think we're going to start in verse 8. But beloved, do not be ignorant of this one thing that with the Lord one day is as one thousand years, and one thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow concerning his promises, so some count slowness. But he's patient with us because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So maybe that's one good reason not to rush things, to give people a chance to repent. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth also and the works that are in it will be burned up. Seeing then that all these things are are to be destroyed, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? while you are waiting for and desiring the coming of the day of God in which the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will be consumed by intense heat. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So it's not so much we want everything destroyed, but we want the new heavens and the new earth to come. And so here he is saying that although we don't know when it's going to happen, there's a part of us that has to always be waiting. And even when he uses these words um, that we're desiring the coming of the day of the Lord, that can be something that we pray in as we get a sense to do that. that. That might be a Holy Spirit-led thing for you to do, but we can pray in the promises of God in his word, especially these ones that have a timing and a season for them. Okay, Some of you who um, listen to Billy Brim, you know, she focuses a lot on prayer and Israel, and she calls her prayers the prayer force. You know, And when Greg was teaching this, he used our prayers as an example of modern-day warfare. And so we have an air force, and part of the strategy in the war is to send in the air force first to drop bombs on the enemy to disable them as much as you can from the air, and then to send in the ground troops to finish things off. And so when we're praying, we're kind of like the Air Force. We're going in from the heavenlies and taking care of business so that there's still things that we have to do on the ground. It's not all prayer. But it makes a way for things to happen on the ground when we do that. And so this is just something I wrote down that Greg Moore said. This is regarding Matthew 16, 19, where Jesus was saying, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. And he says, like in prayer, when we're praying the word, we're agreeing with heaven. We're establishing authority in the earth through praying and declaring the word so that the will of God is released on the earth through action. So um, that makes prayer pretty important. We can really change things because our world is a pretty messy place right now. So I wanted to just um, finish off by talking about praying for people's salvation, because this is a really big one, because we don't want all these terrible things to happen if people aren't ready for, to meet the Lord. And I know that anytime time I've tried to share the gospel of, with people, quite often they're, they don't want to hear it. Or maybe they're, they're really polite and they'll listen to you, but you know they're not the least bit interested in what you have to say. But, you know, even though it seems that way, God can use what we say and speak to people later on, maybe years later on. And so this is why prayer can be very important when it comes to seeing people come to the Lord. There are situations where we can pray for them ahead of time, And sometimes it's after the fact, and sometimes it's both. Now, I had an experience recently. I was going to the bank to see the, the financial advisor. And, you know, that day I got up, and I remembered when Dave and I used to go in and see her, he would always talk about the Lord to her. And I started to pray for her that morning. I just prayed that her heart would be open. And... So when I went in, we discussed bank business, and I don't even know how it happened when we started talking about the things of God. And her heart was so open. She was asking me all the right questions. I was able to give her the, the whole gospel. And I did ask her if she wanted to accept the Lord, and she said she wasn't quite ready then, but I'd have to remember to pray for her because... Yes. You know, she even told me that one of her friends, she said, that's just like my friend. She's, she just discovered Jesus in the Bible, too. And I thought, you know, God speak to you, girl, you know. <laughs> so there's an example of somebody I just need to keep in prayer because she's so open. So um, I've just got some great scriptures here that will help us to pray for people's salvation. And and keeping in mind, these can be used for those in authority because a lot of those people we will never have a chance to speak to. But we can speak uh, pray for those people that we'll never meet too for their salvation. And I'm sure you've done that. So the first scripture I want to look at is Romans 10, verses 13 to 15. So verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news of peace, who bring good news of good things. So people need to hear the word of God to get saved. Somehow they need to hear it. And Matthew 9, this is one we know very well. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew 9, verse 35. So it says, Yeshua, or Jesus says Yeshua in my Bible, went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. That's what we need to be moved with, compassion for people. Because they fainted and were scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out labors, into his harvest. So one of one thing we can pray is for God to send laborers to people. If if it's not us, and sometimes it's not us, we can pray for somebody else, especially if it's your family. <laughs> they need somebody else to talk to them. And let's look at Romans ch- chapter 2 verse 4. I always think that I got saved because somebody was praying for me. (laughs) It just wouldn't have happened any other way, I don't think. (laughs) Because sometimes you think, how come all of a sudden I'm open to the things of God and I wasn't yesterday? So somebody had to be praying. So in verse 4 it says, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, tolerance, and patience? not knowing this is the part here not knowing that the goodness of god leads you to repentance sometimes when we're praying for people they can have a re- i pray that they have a revelation of the goodness of god you know even those people that are really against the things of god god has a way of revealing himself to people and showing them his kindness because so many people think they blame God for all the problems in the earth, or they see things in religion that they don't like, and maybe for good reason. But when they can encounter the goodness of God, that can really touch their hearts. The next one is John six forty four. I like this one, too. No one, this is Jesus, no one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. So I pray that God will, dr- God, God will draw people to himself. I, I know when, when I got saved, I knew I was being drawn in. I could sense it. I was being drawn in, <laughs> and there was resistance was futile. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was being drawn in. <laughs> and uh, the last verse I'm going to just share with you on this is second corinthians four four. Or I'm going to start in verse three. It says, But if our good news is hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost.' The God of this age, that would be Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the glorious good news of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You know, we can probably, if, if you got saved later on in life, you can remember there was a time when your mind was blinded. You couldn't even understand these things. They seem foolishness to you but maybe somebody was praying that that blindness be removed. So that's something else we can pray for people because people truly are blinded. If they really knew and had that blindness removed from them, their hearts would be so much more open. And I guess at the end of the day, everybody has a choice, but I think our prayers can affect and avail much when we pray for people. So I'm just going to sort of end with that. And just to sort of paraphrase what I was uh, covering off there in those prayers for salvation. So when we're praying for the lost, we invite the Spirit to come in and bring his presence to bear in their lives. We break the power of blindness off of them, send laborers to speak the truth in love to them, and ask Him to open their eyes that they might see and receive Jesus. So I've just given you a few examples of scriptures. There are many, many others, but we can just see that we can see the will of God in his word. And if we just simply take that as we study it, as we come across it and use it in prayer, it will be powerful and the Holy Spirit will work with it and help that prayer reach its mark. And even if we're not seeing things right away, As the word says, don't be weary in well-doing, because you'll reap in due season if you faint not. So that is all I'm going to share on prayer today. (laughs) So I hope that helps you, keeps it simple, it's doable. We can all do this, and yet it's so effective and powerful. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord.